for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Clark, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Richard Lynch. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Tom, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're coming to us all the way from Ohio. I'm in Texas. I dri- I've been through Ohio a few times. My uh, dad used to work in Dayton there for a bit, so we used to drive down to Dayton quite frequently. So I'm familiar with that part of Ohio. Where are you in relations to kind of Dayton? Well, I'm about uh, 15 miles southeast of Dayton, about 30 miles north of Cincinnati. Okay. A little town called Waynesville, Ohio. And, uh, you know, it's down in the southwestern part, um, not too far off of the Ohio River. Kind of give you a vicinity right there where we're at. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, so first off, before we kind of jump into everything, I want to thank you uh, very much for jumping on here. I'm really excited to chat with you a little bit, learn more about what you got going on. I was looking through your website and all your social media and I was like, wow, you've got so much going on. And like, especially before the pandemic hit, and I'm sure as a lot of musicians, it's affected you uh, very extensively but uh you got a lot going on so it was really impressive to kind of see um all the stuff you're doing um so before we jump into all that though uh what's kind of or what was your uh introduction to music who introduced you who were you listening to what's kind of your origin story in the music business well, you might say I was born into traditional country music. Um, my dad was an incredible singer, entertainer. Um, he's was born and raised in Eastern Kentucky. And, uh, you know, uh, back then when my, my dad was growing up, they would, they, a lot of the folks would migrate north from the hills of Kentucky looking for employment. And, you know, you know Cincinnati and Dayton had a lot of employment back then. And he, he would bring those tunes and that sound to Dayton and uh, the Ohio area, and there's so much influence from Eastern Kentucky in the Southwestern Ohio area that still exists today. Um, but I, I just grew up listening to that traditional music. I loved it then, I love it now. Um, I, I knew at a young age, that's something that I wanted to do. It's just a, a, a feeling that I've always, you know, chose to pursue. And as a matter of fact, the first time I ever performed in my life, my dad invited me up on his stage and uh, he was playing uh, a show with a, a guy by the name of Porter Wagner and Porter Wagner was a guy that I watch on Saturday nights every day. You know, I was a yeah. kid. I thought, boy, my dad must be somebody. And uh, I had no idea that dad was going to ask me up and sing with him, but I, he did. And I got up and sang an old Buck Owens song. I got a tiger by the tail and you might imagine an eight-year-old kid, that experience went over quite well. So I was bit pretty early by the country music bug. Gotcha, gotcha. Who were some of your uh, influences early on as you were kind of discovering uh, your way 
in the in the country music business? Well, you know, I've always been a huge George Jones fan. I've always been a huge Conway Twitty fan. I got a little older and Keith Whitley really, really hit home with me. I, I just love Keith's music. His, his vocals are just outstandingly smooth and it's such a powerful voice. But if I had to choose two, had to choose two different uh, inspirations, if I would be a close, a close fight between Conway Twitty and Keith Whitley. I just love those guys. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's those are pretty uh, iconic names in the country music, like especially down here in uh, Texas, as I'm really starting to learn about the red dirt country scene and all that stuff. Those are definitely some names that keep popping up, you know, because those growing up, I, it was more of the pop country scene that like when I, when I was out with friends or whatever, it was like the pop country stuff. And now that I'm kind of doing all this, I'm learning like, no, these are, these are the people, these are, there are other people other than like, you know, Blake Shelton and all them guys, you know? So yeah, it's, it's always interesting as, as I get older and deeper into the scene, the different names that I pick up and it's like, can't believe I've never heard them before. (laughs) Well, they're, they're incredible iconic names. And if you love country music, they're they're definitely folks you're familiar with. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, cause I, like it was a college, when I really got my first deep dive into at country music outside of the, like the pop radio stations that we'd listen to in Chicago. And I'd go, we'd be, uh, I went to school in Southern Illinois and my, one of my roommates actually was from the area. And so he used to take us out to like uh, bonfires on the weekends at his buddy's place. And we're talking like middle of nowhere, Southern Illinois. So like, some of the stuff that happened there, it's like, I'm not comfortable talking about, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, so it's play, like situations like that. I was introduced to like Conway Twitty, George Strait, you know, uh, Merle Haggard, you know, names like that. So, yeah. The real deal. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, or it was kind of funny because they're like, you don't know these names. And I was like, I'm from Chicago, dude. Like, so, you know. <laughs> These aren't names that uh, get thrown around that often, unless you're uh, um, unless you live out in the country a little bit more outside of the uh, uh, outside of the city limits there. But so you're born and raised in Ohio. You were born in Lebanon, but now you're in Waynesville. Yes, sir. Um, how's a what was it like growing up in? Or did did you grow up? In Lebanon, or did you were you just born there and then you just kind of moved to Waynesville, or how did it? Well, Lebanon and Waynesville is about five miles apart. Okay, so, gotcha. Yeah, so we're, it's always been uh, always been a close knit community. I graduated from Lebanon High School, okay. and uh, so you know the, the the Lebanon scene growing up. You know, I'm, country music was really not main mainstream, um, and then as I got into high school, it became more and more you know, mainstream, you know, the movie, um, urban cowboy took off and just exploded. Yeah. And so, you know, this old guy that always wore his cowboy boots and hat who's saying country music now became a little more accepted. <laughs> yep, I gotcha. So, so, you know, but the, the music that has always been what I love to do and the fact that, you know, I come from a country rural area, 
you know, a lot of people really connect with that sound, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Especially being not far from like Nashville and all that. What what are you about three hours from Nashville? A little, maybe a little bit further. We're about five. We're about a five hour drive, four and a half, five hour drive from Nashville. So it's not really that difficult. Not a very good. We, and there was a time I would just get in the truck and the truck would almost go there by itself where there's so much, but yeah, we, we're really, we're really affluent with Nashville recording and we've done a lot of things at WSM radio and uh, there, uh, a lot, a lot of stuff we do through Nashville. That's awesome. That's so you've been playing music pretty much professionally since you were 15. Is that fair to say? My first paid gig, I was 15 years old. Well, I thought, man, I have made it. Look at me. <laughs> well, what do you what do you uh, attribute your long running success in the music business? What do you think it is? Well, I genuinely enjoy the music. And if you are enjoying what you're doing, it's pretty hard for folks not to enjoy what you're doing. It's pretty easy for folks to kind of gravitate to somebody that loves what they're doing. Because if I'm having a good time, they're having a good time. And, you know, I, I love people. I love being around people that, you know, I love traditional music, country music. And I, I think I think people have accepted me because it's something that it's genuine. You know, you, you can see through some folks. This, this is it's not what I do. It's just what I am. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, early on, I had mentioned that you appear to be a very busy man you're running a farm which is also a venue from what i understand you you play actually get to play live music there from time to time but you also released a full-length album earlier this year i'm saying earlier this year like it's been that long of a time but um you dropped an album by the name of my Gu- my guitar drips country uh what's kind of the story behind that album well, I, I wrote all 12 songs. I wrote or co-wrote all 12 of the album, uh, the songs on the album. And uh, the title, My Guitar Drips Country, that came from um, a, a statement a dear friend of mine had said, uh, Doug Supernall, a good friend of mine for many, many years, he was a huge country music fan and uh, a country music artist in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And had a lot, of, a lot of big songs in the 90s. And I got to do a show with him back then and we became friends and, um, you know, we just lost Doug recently to cancer and prior to him passing away, some Texas artists was approaching Doug and want, wanting to record some of his music and one of Doug's graces. And one of the artists asked Doug if he would be kind enough to join him in the studio and, and re-record one of Doug's music songs. And Doug said, listen, you know, because uh, he wanted it to do a little more rock and roll. And Doug said, listen, my guitar drips country. Yeah. And I thought, wow, what a classic statement. So I, I wrote a tribute, and that's exactly how I started the song off, My Guitar Drips Country. And it, it just pays tribute to my friend Doug, and it just shows that, you know, people out there still love him, love his music. And I just want to let him know that people really, really care about him. And the best part about it was that Doug actually got to hear the song and the recording prior to him passing away. So that was really, really great for me and uh, for him to hear that because I did truly think the role of him and his friendship and he got to hear what I, well, not what I wrote about him. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Um, so for the album, 
how did you kind of go through the process of song selection? Did you specifically write for the album or were you just kind of cherry picking stuff you've already written? Well, I started writing for this album about 15 months ago. Okay. And I'm, I'm one of those guys that just writes songs that's an inspiration. You know, uh, if somebody says something that just hits home with me, you know, I, I grab that line and a pad of paper and I get off to myself and I, I let myself get in that little space and uh, just let my creative juices flow. Um, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to just sit down and write a song to be writing a song. I, I, I like to really write a song that has that passion and that connection with whatever I just listened to or whatever inspired me for that song. Um, but so it's been a, about a 15 month process to get all the tunes that I wrote. And I wrote more than the 12, mm -hmm. um, but my, my wife is a really, really smart lady. I really believe in her uh, ability to pick you know, some of the better songs that I have written. And uh, I think she did a great job picking out the 12 that we recorded there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's a really good album, top to bottom. And what what I thought was kind of interesting was the three songs that you picked as like it was like through your release strategy of doing like three singles and then releasing the album. But mm -hmm. then you also released a lyric video for Rodeo Town, which wasn't one of the original three singles. Right. That, that was that was really interesting and kind of made it almost like a fourth single without release having to release it as a single right um, well, we just we just released that recently as a single so currently it is that's it is our current release right now i guess you might say okay Rodeo. yeah gotcha gotcha and just because basically when i'm going off of releases i'm just kind of going off of what i see on spotify just because it's the path of least resistance as far as uh most recent stuff but no what i really i really enjoy rodeo town because it gives a shout out to a state essentially it gives a shout out to the state of new mexico because i don't feel like new mexico gets as much love as it should right. um there, there's definitely a lot of calls to uh santa fe yeah at least well, in the music or at least in the lyric video there is well that song uh, i have never been in new mexico on Oddly enough, I've been mm -hmm. in almost every state in the country except that. But I, I co-wrote that song with Tony Williams. He's my piano player in the band. And he would tell me the story how he did a two-year house gig in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And and he was telling me this story about this young lady he met and all these things and some things that I can't repeat, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. So I said, Tony, you're you're saying a song. Let's Let's put our our heads together, and ultimately, we we came up with the story Rodeo Town, and it's pretty much based around his experience there in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And, and oddly enough, that's my favorite song on that album. I absolutely love that song. Yeah, I, mean, I like them all, but that's my favorite. Yeah, it definitely caught my attention, like because when like usually like my <laughs> breakdown to when I go into like start preparing for these interviews is. The first stop is usually Facebook, just because that's kind of where you'll be able to see if you're promoting another album or, you know, like what they're promoting. And that lyric video was one of the very first things that popped up. And I was like, okay, let me watch this. And that just sent me down a rabbit hole of a lot of things. Uh, but I just gravitated towards that song as like, 
wow, this is amazing. Like I, I like you. I really enjoy the song. It's basically well, where thank I'm you. With it. So thank you. If I remember right, you said you had some affiliation with New Mexico there, so you had some connections. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I lived in uh, Roswell, New Mexico for about four years, and I went up to Santa Fe a few different times. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where I just don't feel like uh, New Mexico gets as much love as it, as it should, you know, because it's like you go there, especially like right around now is the best time to go through New Mexico because it's starting, you're starting to, the weather, weather's starting to turn over. And like the, if it, if you get a good rainy spell, you can go out into the desert and it just looks amazing. It's like really peaceful and amazing. So, you know, right now New Mexico is like, it's the perfect place to be. I love it. I got to go there sometime. <laughs> I mean, honestly, not, not to, not to try and push you out there. I, I know a guy that will book you really quickly in Roswell. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so, I, I will. After we get off the interview, I will. Uh, I'll reach out to him and uh, and uh, drop your name towards him because he's uh, he's been riding out the pandemic because New Mexico has uh, been really uh, hard hard sticklers about no venues being open and all that stuff. So it, it'll be it'll be awesome to get you out there, especially <laughs> Roswell. It. If if you believe in aliens, it's a hoot and a half. <laughs> even if you don't believe in aliens it's a hoot and a half to be out there <laughs> i love it i love so, it um but yeah so that that was kind of your unofficial fourth single uh because of the lyric video are you planning on doing any more lyric videos or what's kind of the plan moving forward um it's hard to say uh, we we just recently lost our videographer um he became ill and his not able to do um, our videos right now. So we're kind of in limbo with actually putting together, you know, a full length um, video. We've had several, several of them in the past. So we're in the, in the midst right now, renegotiating or reestablishing that connection with a videographer. So some of the stuff that we're doing is stuff that we can do ourselves or our manager can do, but we have, we have intentions on actually uh, getting a couple new, full-length videos on a couple more of the songs that's on the CD mm -hmm. uh, sometime this late spring, early summer. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, you know, like, especially right now when uh, shows aren't really, like, a thing that can happen. Like, they happen depending on where you're at in the country, but, right. you know, they're, they're still few and far between. There, there's still not that many shows going on because of the current situation in the world. Right. But, I, I, you know, it, it's interesting because music videos – in a time in a time where you're not really supposed to be in close proximity of everybody or anybody in general, music videos have been taken off, and I've seen more music videos produced during COVID than I've ever seen in my life. You know, just kind of doing all the all the uh, uh, live and amplified stuff I've been doing for the last five 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 and a half years or so. I've seen more music videos in the last year than I've seen in a long time so it, it's been incredible to see all the uh creativity that's been going on so i'm really excited to see what you guys are able to come up with moving forward yeah we're, we're excited about getting back out there doing that like i said we're we're in the midst of getting that reconnection with a another videographer you know when you get really uh, good results and you work with people and then something happens and he got ill um you know it's hard to make that next connection you know so uh 
but you know, we will, and uh, we'll just move on like everybody has to do. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I brought this up early on in the interview. I want to talk about your farm a little bit. There's something we kind of connected over the keeping it country farm. Uh, yes, it is an active farm, but it is also a venue as well. Correct. It is. We, uh, we have horses and donkeys and I, I raise a lot of hay and grow a lot of hay there. But we have a big event barn on our farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, June through October, once a month, we'll bring a Grand Ole Opry star or a national act to our farm and um, they'll perform with us. Oh. And uh, it's really amazing to see people come and enjoy the farm and enjoy the authentic- authenticity of the farm. And then the, to be in a barn that it's the, the barn is nothing short of remarkable, mm-hmm. but it still looks like an old barn. I mean, it's got the wood siding yep. uh, and it has such a warm, round sound when you're in this building. And not only do the fans enjoy it, but the, the, the musicians and the bands that, that come there from around the country, they absolutely fall in love with the place because really there's nothing else like it. You know, there's a beautiful pond that sits off the deck. Yep. And we have a big wraparound porch. So, you know, we can seat about 400 people in our venue. Oh, wow. Um, and it's really, really a, uh, a unique place. And I, I consider myself very fortunate because, you know, I live there. So sometimes you take for granted, you know, what you got. But when you, when you just take a second and you sit there on the porch and you, and you look at the, at the beautiful barn and the pond and how the porch wraps around and you can see the hay field and the donkeys and you get to share that with these people that love the country way of life. I don't think there's much of a better satisfaction for me anywhere than to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, the mm-hmm. farm is also where you shot the um, traditionally Lynch show there for a little bit. Yeah, we have a television show that that just kind of well, the coronavirus, the the COVID actually, you know, we it set in after about our fourteenth week mm-hmm. of filming, so we only had fourteen segments, and we can do a thirteen segment show. So, well, we didn't have enough for the following follow up pre uh, season, mm-hmm. so we did two did two sessions of reruns on our television show. And like I say, we're still not able to, to fully do anything as far as the show wise is concerned. So right. we let the, we let the, the, the television show cancel with the expectations that we'll, we'll get to do some more filming and uh, create the next 13 shows where we can get another season out of it, but we're not there yet. Nice. And is it kind of a throwback to the old uh, or like the old school television shows? I don't know why the Lawrence Welk show popped into my head, but that that's yeah it, it's got some throwback to it um you know but it's you know it's it's a combination of maybe watching a little bit of hee-haw or something of like a pop goes to the country yeah from those era yep. um and, but it's it's mainly our music and then of course if we we've had people like um confederate railroad we've had people like um, uh, you know uh penny gilly which is a big texas artist and we've mm-hmm. had people like um in, you know, um, David Ball, who had a lot of hits in the 90s mm. and on and on and on. I mean, more a lot of those folks and and we'll air some of their music. And between what we're doing and what our artists, what our artists that we bring to the stage are doing, you know, the audience really enjoys the show because it's really got a nice mixture 
of, uh, of the music. And we don't, there's not really a comedian section. We kind of tell a few jokes every now and then, but yeah. we've got some wonderful sponsors that, you know, that kind of air their, air their, what they do there from our area. So it's really a real rounded so, uh, show that, you know, just kind of highlights traditional country music. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, you know, it, uh, we were kind of in the same situation during COVID. We had launched, or we were back in January, we came to Nashville and started recording a a series. We at the time the idea was for it to be a video series and a podcast series. Uh, it was going to be called the Live and Amplified Jam Sessions, and it was basically one musician centric, where basically it's like this podcast, but in between they're playing songs and we're kind of talking about it. So that was kind of the basic layout of it. And we got like six episodes in, and then COVID hit, and it was like, well. I can bring people in, but like when, during the peak of the COVID season, it just wasn't going to happen. So right. it ended up getting scrapped and hopefully mid end of this year, we'll be able to get back out there and bring it back. So that's where we're at. Basically the same thing. We're, we're, we're right in the midst of that exact situation. So yeah, you, you get it exactly what we're doing there. Yep. Absolutely. And like, like, I mean, we're really fortunate right now that we were able to get the uh, radio show up and running, uh, which is a moment of, oh, that's actually a pretty good idea. And so, you know, it, it, we st- I still have to drive out to Roswell, New Mexico once a month, which drive- I don't know if you've ever driven through West Texas, but oh yeah, that, that's not the funnest drive that you can make. <laughs> And I'm, you're laughing because I'm sure you understand exactly what I'm talking about. We did a Texas radio tour, uh, not last summer, the summer before last. Yeah. And we did 30-some radio stations all over Texas. Let me tell you, when you drive 200 miles between radio shows yep. and you got four to do, uh, I mean, we are, I mean, it was crazy how much huge Texas is and how okay. much time we spent in Texas doing a a 10 day radio tour. So we, we really spent some time there. Yeah. I had a uh, friend of mine that they were from, Oh, where were they? They're, they're from like Utah and they were going to El Paso and they called me up and they were like, Hey, I'm going to be in Texas. How far are you from El Paso? And I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think that's a good 12 or 13 hour trip for me. <laughs> <laughs> not a hundred percent sure but just a rough yeah. estimate that's a long way yep you know and it's it's crazy like if you think about it if you drive from as far east texas as you can go and then to west that's 14 15 hours like just the sheer size of it all is mind-boggling it is <laughs> so but i i know completely what you mean by uh driving two hours three hours to get to the next show and it's just kind of like dang because that's kind of how it was out in new mexico when i was living there it was like everybody's looking at me crazy because i'm willing to drive three four five hours for a 30 minute thing and it's like you don't understand i lived in new mexico where if I needed to go see a, do- a specialist doctor or if I needed to go to a specialty store for anything, it was three hours. Like it didn't yeah. matter. It was three hours. 
So a lot of folks in Texas, you know, their 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 Walmart's are an hour away, and they're like, well, "That's no big deal. This is just an hour." Away. <laughs> yeah, like that. That's literally like when I was in Roswell, New Mexico, I avoided Walmart on the weekends because if that's when all the farmers and ranchers came in from out of town, and it was just a zoo, and it was like, "I'm not going." Because you got these guys that are driving in an hour, hour and a half, like depending on where they were coming from. And it's like, nope, I'm good. So <laughs> I'm not dealing with it. I'm with you. Uh, so one thing that you brought up was like doing the radio tours and stuff. And that's something that I've just recently learned about. That's still kind of a thing. Cause I uh, mentioned earlier uh, during the pandemic, uh, like tour, like, the fall of last year it was starting to get really big because i was talking to a lot of musicians and they're like hey i'm gonna be coming through texas doing a radio tour and i was i had to kind of figure out like what they were talking about but um how often do you do stuff like that just go is it pretty much just doing interviews like this or what's kind of the landscape of a uh uh radio tour i guess well, that particular radio tour, we had a we had a couple songs that was on being hot playing played heavily on the Texas charts, and there was um, thirty five or forty different stations that were really mm. um, asking me to be there part of because they're playing my music there in Texas. Yeah, um, we didn't get to go to all of them, um, but that was that particular situation. You know, we were hitting all the stations that were playing our music and yeah, being grateful and thankful that they were. Yeah. And, you know, what's amazing is those people really love that traditional sound and they're blown away. Like when they find out I'm from southwestern Ohio and I'm down in Texas, like, man, you sound like one of us. How, how can you be from Ohio? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yep. You know, it, so, it's it's very funny because I get the exact opposite look like I'll go. Uh, I work for a local TV station down here and I'll, you know, be doing a commercial for a, like, I do a lot of commercial production and I'll go walk into a country feed store and they're like, yep, you're not from around here. Are you? And I'm like, <laughs> can you tell? Like, geez, I, I, I like try and blend in as much as I can, but is my big Midwestern accent coming through a little thick for you? <laughs> So, but it, it's all it's always like i mean it's never any a negative experience but it's just kind of funny when they 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 uh introduce themselves and i say uh, then i introduce myself and they're like well you're not from around here and i'm like yep you caught me sorry you know for the most part everybody in texas was really really welcoming mm -hmm. and uh, they really wanted to be they really felt like you know that they were uh, they were going out of the way to make me feel inclusive. Yep. Uh, and and it's, it boils down to the music. They, they love that traditional country music and <laughs> it, it wouldn't matter where I was from. And they, you know, they, they connected with me through the music and that there's the universal connection. They love that traditional sound. Yep. Absolutely. The one thing that I've come to learn in about the year and a half that I've been here, they connect with authenticity. Yep. you're being authentic with yourself and you like you're presenting an authentic image they're fine like it's yeah it's that moment that you try and fit in or you try and be something you're not that's when it's like no yeah exactly so it, which is oh like in music that that's almost the key to success in music is just being authentic to yourself because you you see like if you look at the charts 
You know, you see people that step way outside of themselves into something that's not them and then they fall off and it's like, just not stay in your pocket, but stay authentic to you. Like if that's what you really enjoy doing, then do it. But if it isn't, people are going to sniff it. Exactly. And that kind of goes back to the conversation about, you know, how, you know, the longevity has been yep. such a, a, a thing with me. It's because I've always known that I love the traditional country music and, and I, I, you know, playing honky tonks and clubs and stuff in the eighties and nineties, you know, you got to play a little bit of everything. Uh, and you know, that way you're being appealed to the general public, but I always kept my music traditional because they wanted to hear that sound. And I just, I just wanted to make sure people knew that's what, when you went to hear Richard Lynch, you're going to hear country music. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so to, to kind of divert back to your music here a little bit, uh, you're, you're currently playing as a, as the Richard Lynch band. Mm -hmm. uh, how yes. did the uh, current formation of the band come together? Well, oddly enough, the, the bass player has been with me for 30 some years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And uh, that's John Haney and the drummer. Uh, Chris Oliver and the steel player have been with me almost 24 years. Um, and then we have uh, our current piano player. He, he worked with a guy named Vern Gosden and Billy Crash Craddock, which were big names back in the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Bill, uh, Tony's his name, Tony William. We co-write together. He's been with me for five years, four years now. And, uh, and then our guitar player has been with me, Tim uh, Bennington, for five years. So the two, two of, the, uh, of the five members, excluding myself, have been with me more than 20 years. So I'm really, really excited that, you know, to see success come because they're as, as, a, as a part of my success as anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to, to see things come and, and build and, and you, you know, you keep constantly getting better and you're doing TV shows and radio shows and, and the guys, you know, they don't necessarily are always with me, but they're always supporting what I do. And ultimately, they benefit um, from my success with the fact that we can go play music and 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 make a living. And hopefully, we'll get to do that again here really soon. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, come on down to Texas. They're I get sh I get emails like now over the last like month and a half I get emails regularly saying hey we're playing here or we're playing there and it's like can't make it to all these shows guys I'm sorry like, I, I, you know I'm busy enough as it is and then you got to try and you, that's the crazy thing is it's like during COVID it's like I've been wanting to go to shows but I've been progressively getting more busy and now that the shows are really starting to happen and they're like all over the place it's like i can't make it i've got 800 other things going on so damned if you do damned if you don't right exactly exactly so um no it's awesome that you've had you've got some real anchors in the band of people that have been with you throughout pretty much thick and thin like the good times the bad time like i mean you got to assume over 20 years there's been some good times there's been some bad times you bet um, so it's really awesome that you've almost got that brotherhood with a certain section of the band. And then you get every once in a while, if you have to get a new member that brings in that fresh perspective or that like a different vibe. And, you know, so that's, that's always interesting to see how, uh, the turnover in a band will affect them. 
So I'm lucky because those guys, you, you kind of touched on it. We're almost like a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we played together so often and so long. It's like, they know what I'm going to do before I do it, or I know what they're going to do be, before they do it. And it's, it's really a great uh, experience to come to one of our shows because we do a lot of things that's spot on. We don't necessarily do a repetitive show. We, we like being, you know, spontaneous with the audience and getting to feel them out a little bit. Yep. And we'll, if you come to one of our shows on a Saturday and you come back the next Friday or the next Thursday or the next time you see us, it ain't going to be what you just seen. We're, yeah. we're going to kind of mix things up a little bit. That's what makes it fun, you know, yeah. for us and, and the, the musicians and the crowd. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's when you get into that routine of playing the same songs over and over again, that's like, I've seen a lot of musicians, not because, they have or basically because they have to play it because they just don't write or they don't come up with new songs so they've only got enough songs to fill out an hour 90 minute like set and so they get stuck into this cycle of playing the same songs over and over again and then they burn themselves out because it's like well it's boring and they don't write new songs but like the fact that you have a band and I'm sure you could freestyle a little bit and, yep. uh, you know, like, Oh, Hey, you remember that tune we were practicing the yeah. other day? Let's try it. You know, like yeah, exactly. I've def- that that's my, as a viewer of music and going to see concerts, that's my favorite thing is if you go see a band play and like, it's, it's just the right moment. It's the right crowd. And they're like, you know what, this is it. Let's try it. This isn't, we're, we're still working on this song, but let's try it. Let's see what happens. And that's you know, so, so much fun. See almost the formation of a song right in front of you. Exactly right. And the audience, they pick up on that too. You know, they're, they're like, wow, this, they, they're comfortable with us. So the, auto, the audience automatically makes that connection with the band. You know, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, somebody calls out for like a, a cover song or something and some of you are ready for it. Some of you aren't. And you just kind of figure it out. That's always really interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whenever we do that, our, our guitar player, Tim Bennington, great guitar player. We'll pull out somebody to say about a song and, and we have a policy. If two or three of the guys know it, we just play it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the other like, guy's like, okay, we'll just follow along. <laughs> yep. Well, cause I mean, you know, like you, you'll see it on shows all the time where, you know, like the guitarist and the bass player and the lead singer are good, but maybe the drummer and like the rhythm guitarist aren't a hundred percent on board, but they just kind of watch what the other guys are doing. And then once yeah. they kind of got the feel for it, they jump in, you know, and the crowd's pretty forgiving as it is anyways, like <laughs> you mess up. They're not going to, unless you're just not like, unless the you're just not that type of person, the crowd's not going to crucify you. So it's a live show. They'll get, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be entertaining. <laughs> but um, so during the COVID, obviously there hasn't been many shows. How often are you guys kind of practicing right now? Or have you guys been together so long that practice isn't as common as it needs to be? Well, we, we haven't rehearsed much up until about two months ago when mm-hmm. we knew we were going to release. We did a, actually a CD release party. Um, the 12th of February with our brand new CD and um, we probably had more than we should ask but we had quite a few people come to the show but we did rehearse like three or four times to make sure that our our music was you know pretty well together on the uh, the new album 
And uh, we, we played our new album. We had such a good time, sold an awful lot of CDs. Um, and still we, and then we did stuff like we always do. some music from our old CDs and cover mm -hmm. stuff. And, you know, I shouldn't say this, but the people just got up and danced and had a ball. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> they were ready to get out. That's all yep. I can tell you. I got you. You'd brought up the, you brought up CDs. Have you given any thought of pressing vinyl? Cause that's really starting to make a comeback. Is, is that something you've ever uh, given thought to at least in this more modern time or what's kind of your position on it? Well, actually it's funny you should say that because me and the wife are just talking about that recently. Uh, I think we're going to do like a, a couple hundred, yep. uh, you know, full, full length 33 to third vinyl yep. kind of costly, but you know, the people that uh, the people are asking for them and if nothing else, you know, having that, that 33 to third vinyl album is such a unique feeling uh you know I, I i find it amazing that that's people can still do that so yep. uh, yeah we're going to be just the short answer is yeah if you're going to be doing that here in the near future awesome awesome i ask because i'm becoming a collector of vinyl when i do get out to shows if the band or the musician has vinyl that is my automatic go-to just yeah. because you know like a few years back i was going to shows and it got to a point where they were not even printing CDs. They were sending like download cards and it's like, yeah, that's cool and futuristic, but it's so impersonal. Like yeah. it's, you're handing me a card. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. But with like vinyl, especially because a lot of bands are doing the limited press. So it's like, oh, this is one of 200 or one of 400, you know, like whatever it is, you're getting a piece of art essentially yes so exactly right that's what i love about it because they uh put so much time and effort into the cover design in like even nowadays they're putting effort into the actual like vinyl itself like they're, they're doing so many creative things uh, there's this one band out of nashville that made the entire vinyl record itself tie-dye oh why too cool. Yeah. So like you put it on the, you put it on, I put it on my little, I got a little Victrola, uh, like the old school suitcase yeah. uh, record players. You put it on there and it looks really cool. Just going around. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. And so just kind of seeing what people are doing. It's like, awesome. It is really awesome and really exciting. And I don't know how long vinyls are going to stick around, but it is an awesome way to listen to music. It is. So, you know, it, it's a lot better than cassette tapes, which for some reason is also making a comeback. You know, when I was a kid, my mom had a huge collection of Elvis records, CDs, mm. and, and, and just everybody from that, you know, that 60s, 70s era, the old 33 and the thirds. And the thought of being able to put one of ours along with that stack that mom has, that mm. that's that's pretty daggone cool when you think about yeah. that, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, did you keep, you kept all those records, right? Oh, yeah. Lots of See, them. That was yeah. the mistake I made was uh, my mom had given me all her records. And once I realized that we, she gave me all her records and, uh, or at least her 33s and her old record player, but we couldn't find a needle for the record player. So it was like, well, this is kind of 
pointless to have that we're talking like this is in the mid nineties after records had pretty much been completely uh, non-existent uh, at least where I was at. And so we ended up selling all her records and her record player in a uh, garage sale. And I think back now at what she had in there, it's like, yeah, we definitely gave away some gold. <laughs> yes. Live and learn. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But now, now my favorite thing to do is go into a, uh, like a thrift store or a pawn shop and just, you see all these original pressings. Some of them are in decent shape. Some of them aren't, but you know, it's a treasure hunt every time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Kind of moving forward, one of the things that we like to do on Live and Amplified is we want to pass on knowledge to the younger generation of musicians out there. So as a musician that has had a long storied success in the industry, what is one piece of advice you have for the young musicians out there that are getting ready to make that first step or maybe that next step? in their musical career what's one piece of advice you have for them surround yourself with people who believe in what you do you can fall into a trap where people don't necessarily really genuinely care about what you're doing Mm -hmm. you find yourself you find with people who want to see you succeed and ultimately you will succeed absolutely you it sounds like you learned that one the hard way maybe uh you bet yeah. you know and, and 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 i i don't think i don't think that's a bad thing learning things the hard way but you learn yeah. that you you can't get that education anywhere you have to make a few mistakes in life yep but Absolutely. once but once you finally get it and once you realize that you know your success depends on how people uh help you or want to see you succeed you know, you, you really, the sky's the limit, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and people want to have good entertainment. And if you're writing good songs and you're recording good songs and your band has uh, that same drive and that same, that same ambition that what you have, or you, how, how can you, how can you mess up? So a youngster needs to listen to those words and just, you know, if you've got a great musician out there who wants to play with you, and they don't really believe in you. Move on. Yeah, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> or somebody not as good. Ultimately, they will be good, and it will help you in the long run. Yep, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, and then, as far one of the big questions that we always get is about uh, experience, or one of the is asking about experiences or their uh, people's first experiences in the recording studio. But I think for you, I'm going to word it a little bit differently. How is your ex- going through the through your career? Uh, how is your experiences recording changed? Like from back when you first got started recording professionally to your most recent album? Well, it's a learning experience. You know, once you're in the studio, you kind of learn, hey, how to um, pronounce words, how mm-hmm. to ultimately get better because i found myself saying things singing like i would talk yeah and sometimes you don't sometimes you you'll you'll say something that's probably understood but by singing it like you talk 
doesn't necessarily create that creativity or that clarity that you really need. And you learn that as you're in those studios. I hope I always continue to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, And every album I consider has got a little better only for the fact that I'm learning, I'm listening. And um, I want to be that sponge to where it makes me want to excel and constantly do better. Because every time I release a new album, I hear people say like, Richard, this is by far your best. And that's such a compliment because I feel like I have given my heart and soul into this CD. Yep. And I learned that maybe my delivery is a little better on this CD than the last one. But I, I learn and try to excel and try to make things just a little bit better. Yeah. And it, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the uh, stream here was about uh, the long tenured success, the willingness to learn and not kind of plateauing, if you will, also has to attribute to your long lasting success. I, I like to think so. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I like to think so. For sure. You know, Cause it, you, you, you get definitely work with, I've definitely worked with a lot of people that feel like they get to a certain point and they've learned everything. And it's like, no, you can always like, you can always get better. There's always something out there. There's always a new technique, whether it like, if you're a guitar player, there's a new chord progression you can learn or if you're recording there's a new recording process you know there's always something out there you can learn or improve upon well being being a uh, somewhat mediocre guitar player you know being in the studio and watching musicians is also another way where you can learn i mean some of these musicians that i'm that i I play with on these cds are are the best of the best Mm -hmm. and when you surround yourself with people like that you can't, you know, you, it's like, man, I, I got to step my game up here. These guys play with <laughs> everybody and their brother. So that there is that sense of, Hey, I, I want to be good because these guys are incredible. There is that too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it makes it ultimately, it makes a great recording because of the, uh, the fact that these guys are so incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, what, I was just thinking about it. One of the things that we didn't touch on, was uh your kind of creative process as far as writing what is your creative process you mentioned that you can't really sit down to write but when you when you're kind of in a position to write what is your process um i I like having this little hook line um you know for example i've got i've got a neighbor that he is crazy just a good old country boy i think the world of him Mm-hmm. Um, and he said something back when this pandemic first started, <clears throat> I said, you know, when, back when everybody couldn't find bathroom, pull up paper and this and, oh, that, yeah. this and that, <laughs> and he said something like, I said, Bob, what are you going to do if you can't go get some bathroom? He said, I'll just drag my <clears throat> across the grass, <laughs> ass across the grass. I'm like, Oh my God, that's a song. So I, <laughs> and i wrote this song so you know you you, something hits you right then and there (laughs) of course that didn't make the album yeah but it was such a fun song to play and write you know yes absolutely but you know it's just had to be spontaneous right there yeah oh and you know some of those some of those songs and some of the like just some of those situations are so I can't, like, even if they don't make the album, that's a great story. Like yeah. just, just having the story sometimes is the win, not necessarily having a so- finished song. Exactly. Um, 
you know, yeah. I've had the, the biggest compliment in the world to me is like when someone walks up to me, Richard, I love this song. It's almost as though you wrote this song for me. Mm-hmm. And so when you hear that, you know that you just touched on that person's emotion. Yep. And that's what's really special about country music is because there is that emotion that doesn't necessarily uh, always exist in other genres of music. You can pour your heart out into that. That girl just broke your heart and or whatever, but you can yeah. feel the emotion in that music. Yep. And that's what I really love about it, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, One question that just popped into my head that I've never actually thought to ask anybody, but for some reason you telling the story about the toilet paper and running out (laughs) and what you do. Do you have songs that like that, that don't make the album, but you still play live? Do you have a lot of those types of songs or is it pretty much if it doesn't make the album, chances are it doesn't get played live. We got a couple of songs that my wife will film me recording me, uh, just me and my guitar by myself. Yeah. And that particular song right there is one of them. Nice. And you, you, I, she put it out and it almost every show, somebody says, are you going to play drag your ass across the grass? I'm like, yeah, we're going to play that for you. <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. So, so the short answer is we got a handful that we do that occasionally that will never be on a CD that will never make a, 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 a recorded, a recorded uh, song, but it sure is a lot of fun to play live. Oh yeah. And you know what, like that's another thing that gets overlooked a lot is having songs that you can only hear live. Like if you're really wanting to give people a reason to come see you live other than the performance, you got to give them songs that they're only going to hear you live. Exactly. And, and, you know, it hasn't been all that long that I realized that, you know, that Mm -hmm. some people get a a mindset like, well, the people come to see your music because they want to hear the songs they're familiar with. Well, that's probably true, but when they get them, when you get a a bunch of folks to the show and you give them something that they've never heard before, at that point, they just became entertained. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, they- like, I mean, I get, I guarantee you people, they come there because they want to hear like Rodeo Town or, you know, name any of the lead singles off any of your albums, but they continue coming to the shows, not because they're going to hear those songs, but because they know there's that one song that the only place they're going to be able to hear it. Exactly. Is at right. your show exactly right <laughs> and that on top of the actual show being a showman and all that stuff that's all cherries exactly right so um but outside of music obviously you got the farm that's keeping you pretty busy you know i grew up my extended family was all farmers and they no matter rain sleet or snow it was like the post office they were always busy um what, what are some stuff that you do outside of music and outside of the farm? What are some of the hobbies that you're really into? Well, um, I, I restore a lot of old barns, you know, mm-hmm. as a kid, as a kid, you know, I was the oldest son of uh, six kids and out of necessity, I had to help my dad, yep. you know, they're growing up on the farm. And so I learned how to mend fences and fix barns and, and fix this and build that. And so, you know, I still have that business 
um, that I do, and I don't do it near as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I love the fact that I can take a, an old barn that's dilapidated and had a hundred years old and, and get in there and fix it and work on it and give it another hundred years of life. You know, that's really gratifying um, that I have that capability and I owe it to the lifestyle that you know, I was raised on. My, my dad showed me these things. And my dad was, he was a huge influence on me with the music and the love of the farm and the fact that I can do these things around the, you know, he taught me so much how to work, how to play music. He taught me how to be good to people, respect people. And if you come to a Richard Lynch show, mm-hmm. I promise you, if there's 20 people or 2000 people there, I'm going to do my best to reach out, shake my hand to everybody there and make that personal connection because ultimately people, whether they know you or not, they think they do and they want to make that connection with the artist. Yep. And if a youngster is listening to this conversation, be personable. Yep. You can do so much for your career just by being personable and treating people good because they want to get to know you. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. That, that was the perfect response, you know, just, perfect like we were talking earlier advice for young musicians that's almost the perfect response to that question so um but i don't want to keep you too much longer uh what what's kind of the plan moving forward i know you just released the album and you're uh working toward hopefully working towards some more music videos do you have any uh shows on the books or what, what do you have coming up we do. Uh, we're starting to get a lot of rebookings that mm-hmm. were previously rescheduled. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, May the 30th, huge show. We're uh, playing with the Bellamy Brothers at our farm. So that's going to be an absolute blast. They were actually one of our very first uh, big name podcasts. Yes. Yes. Those guys have been around since the 70s, Harold yep. and David. Uh, uh, unbelievable how those guys have you talk about longevity and they sound as good today as they did in the 70s yep so looking forward to playing with them we got our our summer is starting to to really you know kind of blossom out a little bit and we're we're hoping and being thankful that we'll ultimately be able to perform this year so keeping our fingers crossed looking forward to bigger and brighter things as the summer kind of gets towards us here yeah Absolutely. Actually, quick, funny story about the Bellamy brothers. So I caught them in Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, They were playing a small gig there and we had like 15 minutes with them, which was amazing. They didn't even have to give us any time, but they did. It was awesome. Great interview. Um, And I reached out to them about two years, a year and a half, two years later, because I was living in Tallahassee, Florida they were getting ready to do a little bit of a Florida run playing shows. And I'd reached out to them. We were going to try and set up another podcast. And then a week later they went out on tour with a uh, Blake Shelton and everything changed. I was like, <laughs> well, I'm not going to argue. Like that, that's a very big tour. I'm sure you got compensated very well for it. No doubt. No so. doubt. But, yeah, so I'm uh, looking forward to a lot of the things that are starting to break loose again. And a lot of musicians are, are, are seeing, you know, similar experiences where they're, they're starting to rebook. And, and you know, if you're a musician, you're ready to get out there and play again. That's oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. I, you know, they, 
definitely it's time people are ready like it's going to be an exciting summer i know a lot of the music festivals that usually happen around this time of year they're starting to announce like their alternate date for this year uh usually being like october like seems to be the next when a lot of the festivals are going to kick back up but it's really exciting to see like Mm. that they're starting to announce dates and not necessarily lineups just yet but you know we're we're still a little bit of ways off for it but just seeing some of these big shows get put back on is exciting and i'm ready for the summer you bet you know, we, we just filmed a tv show in uh fort worth texas back in january uh with the penny gilly show which is an rfd television rfd tv show and that'll be aired sometime in april so that's a national show that we're going to be released on or we're going to be aired on oh that's so, yeah, awesome yeah really cool things starting to happen for us out there yeah absolutely you know just, just like this year's already shaping up like just Everybody thought that 2021 was pretty much going to be a wash because of the current situation. But now that the vaccine's being rolled out and all that stuff and people are feeling a lot safer being out, it's really exciting. And, you know, a lot of people have been working on stuff for the last year and now it's finally starting to happen, starting to roll out. So it'd be fun times moving forward. one thing about it, I don't take for granted anything anymore. What I used to do before, it's like, you know, well, just another gig. Well, you know what? This goes to show you uh, just another gig is not just another gig anymore because yeah. now they mean something to the band, to the fans. Yep. It's just a whole different feeling now of appreciation. Yep. It, it's a, it's one of those things where thanks to COVID, we finally realized how quickly it all could go away. Absolutely. Because exactly it essentially right. happened overnight. So, um, but first off, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. It's been a blast talking with you. I'm glad we got you on here. Um, where can everybody find you online if they want to check one of your shows out or uh, listen to any of your music? Where can people find you online? Well, the best way to find me is go to richardlynchband.com and you can find out everything you want to know about me, probably more than what you want to know about me but go to richardlynchband.com and you can find everything there is our shows our dates our merchandise and uh interviews so it's that's just the best place to find me right there awesome awesome and going back to your show memorial day weekend i may have to make a random detour because my sister's uh she got married last summer during the covid and Memorial Day weekend, she's having like the family get together, like reception type thing. And that's going to be up in Chicago. So I might have to make a detour on my way from New Mexico, <laughs> Texas to Chicago. And well, you're welcome out. at my place anytime, my friend. We got plenty of places for you to stay. You can hang out there with us. We'd love to have you. Awesome. I would, I'm really excited. Like, I'd really love to come check out the show and like the fact that it's on a farm. It goes back to my time with going to visit my grandpa or my dad's grandmother's farm in Kentucky, which nice. that's, that's always a fun story. Just like the, the experiences, they were chicken farmers and, you know, so that, that's always fun, but I, uh, I, we will definitely stay in contact on that one. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute blast. 
Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will catch you guys later. All right, we are clear.